The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. From our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC, and a political commentator for news radio stations WGN in Chicago and KNX in Los Angeles. My company, Bannon Communications Research, pulls for and designs research-based media and message strategies for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to learn more about me and my political polling and communications company, go to Facebook.com front slash Bannon dash communications dash research. My Twitter handle is Brad Bannon, all one word. Today is the second video broadcast to Deadline DC for those of you watching me on Twitter or Periscope right now. Welcome, and we're excited to have you back. You can also watch the show by going to the link tinyurl.com front slash watch Brad to join in. That's tinyurl.com dot com front slash watch brad in the first half hour the woman who started it all leslie marshall joins me to discuss uh the coronavirus crisis and presidential politics writer and comedian tara devlin and our own mark romaldi join us for the second half hour on the provocative progressive political panel we have a very special guest in this segment of the show Leslie Marshall is a Democratic strategist, national radio host, and a Fox News contributor who provides political analysis from a liberal point of view. She is seen regularly on Fox News co-hosting, outnumbered, and also appears on Special Report with Brent Baer. Uh, Fox News at Night, Fox News Room, The Daily Briefing with Dana Perino, Outnumbered, Overtime with Harris Faulkner, Kennedy, and more. Her political blogs for Fox have received two to four million uh, views each week. Leslie's TEDx talk on how America views Islam has been viewed more than 700,000 times. She is the youngest person ever syndicated in talk radio and the first woman syndicated to host an issue-oriented TV show. Additionally, Leslie was awarded the American Immigration Lawyers Association Media Leadership Award. Her Twitter handle is Leslie Marshall, all one word, and her Instagram handle is Leslie Marshall Talker. I'll be forever grateful to Leslie for, give me my, for giving me my start in broadcasting and for giving you a slot on her show every Monday. I'm honored that she could take the time out from her very busy schedule in these very troubled times to join me on Deadline DC today. Welcome to the show, Leslie. 
Brad, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's awesome to be here and to be with you hosting your uh, DC Deadline uh, segment of the show in my slot. Love it. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I love it too. And again, I'll be eternally grateful for you. Oh, you. no. Yeah, any, anything for somebody that I trust with my baby and I do trust you with my baby. And also the second time that we are being seen as well as heard on Twitter and we're doing it together. Awesome. Yeah, it is. It's great. Uh, first, we had big news break about an hour ago where Bernie Sanders uh, joined uh, Joe Biden for a live video chat uh, and endorsed him. And I think we have uh, a video or audio clip uh, for it, depending upon whether you're watching or listening. With that in mind, I'd like to welcome to this conversation a leader who shares those values and has been an outspoken advocate for that vision for a long time. My friend, Senator Bernie Sanders. Bernie, welcome. Joe, thank you very much for your remarks and thank you for welcoming me, me uh, to your live stream here. Um, as you've indicated, we are living in an unbelievably unprecedented moment. You and I were chatting a few months ago, not in a million years, would we have believed that we would be talking to each other in our respective homes, that we could not you know, do rallies that we could not uh, get out of the house. Uh, we would not have believed uh, that we'd be looking not only at a pandemic, which as you indicated, has taken over 20,000 lives in our country, half a million people infected, uh, but has cost us 16 million jobs. And that's probably a conservative number. The real number is probably higher than that. So we are in a terrible moment, an unprecedented moment, and I know we share the, the understanding that we've got to go forward right now and out of this in an unprecedented way uh, to address the terrible pain that so many of our fellow Americans are feeling. So today I am asking all Americans, I'm asking every Democrat, I'm asking every independent, I'm asking a lot of Republicans to come together in this campaign to support your candidacy, oh. which I endorse, to make certain that we defeat somebody who I believe, and I'm speaking just for myself now, uh, is the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country, a president, and you made this point, who downplayed this pandemic. Leslie, uh, what's your reaction to Senator Sanders' statement? Well, I, I think that it's important that he did this, and uh, and at this time, I mean, we've seen the latest uh, poll with Fox News is showing um, a, a dead tie, you know, just neck and neck between Biden and Trump. And Brad, you and I have talked about this before off the air. Politically, even leading up to this before COVID-19, we have been a very divided and continue to be a divided nation. Uh, politically. And this is not going to, people say, oh, Trump's going to win in a landslide or, oh, after Trump, Democrats, nobody's going to win in a landslide. I think we agree on that. This is going to be a very tight race. And I think that Senator Sanders knows it's important, especially when you have the president, uh, you, you don't have the opportunity with COVID-19 um, to be able to get out there and campaign as a, a candidate would traditionally. It's He's got to be all in for Biden. So I think it was important that he do this and that he do this now so that they have as much momentum between now and November to try and unite also a very divided, if you will, and fragmented party. 
Yeah, I think uh, it was great. Uh, I think it's stark contrast to what happened in 2016, where Bernie Sanders did not formally endorse Hillary Clinton until July 2016. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that he uh, joined with Vice President Biden today and endorsed him in April uh, makes a big difference. I Mm -hmm. think it's going to be easier because uh, Senator Sanders was so gracious to unite the party and to beat Donald Trump. So uh, I think it's a big deal. And I congratulate uh, Bernie Sanders for doing it today. It's not easy if you're a candidate running for anything, especially president, and you work for years at attaining this goal. It's really hard to stop dead in your tracks, regroup, and then turn around to endorse your primary challenger. And I'm just glad that Bernie Sanders did it as quickly as he did. I agree. We're going to go to break now, but we get back from break. We're going to have more with our very special guest on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, uh, Leslie Marshall, the host of her own show and a frequent guest on Fox News. Thank you. And we'll be back after these messages. Life, liberty and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. In this half hour, we have a very special guest, uh, Leslie Marshall, who started all this. And if you, uh, depending upon how you feel about me, uh, she either deserves the credit or the blame for me being on every Monday at three o'clock. So anyway, let's start with this. Uh, In the last week, I've seen polls in the head of in the matchup between uh, Trump and Biden uh, anywhere uh, with Biden leads all of them, but he's leading anywhere from four to eleven points ahead of Trump. Uh, The CNN poll late last week had him up by 11 points, but there was something troubling, I thought, in the uh, CNN poll, even though they had uh, uh, Joe Biden up by 11 points, they found that Trump voters were much more enthusiastic about their choice uh, than the Biden voters were. Uh, Why do you think that is, Leslie, and what can Joe Biden do about it? Well, I wrote an article about this uh, on foxnews.com last week. Um, And there are three things that I think uh, Joe Biden needs to do. I mean, you can't change who you are. And Trump is uh, more of a that cult of personality personality. I mean, that reality show host, you know, Biden doesn't, you know, have that certainly. Um, But there are three things that Biden uh, needs to do. One, you have Donald Trump out there every single day. He is getting a free advertising campaign with COVID-19 when he stands on that platform with uh, the doctor, Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Fauci and all the others. And and he gets to, you know, campaign, if you will, in which he's doing in a sense. And even though former Vice President Joe Biden is doing, you know, the podcast every week, you know, it, it's not enough. So one thing I would say is he needs to be more visible. He needs to get out there more. And he and his crew need to figure out, you know, how to do that but also uh, by respecting and uh, leading by example by respecting social distancing. But I don't think it's bad 
uh, perhaps to show him social distancing like other people do, waiting at the post office with his mask on, you know, being more relatable than the guy behind the podium uh, who doesn't stand six feet from the people around him, refuses to wear a mask, and originally had thought this was some kind of a democratic hoax. Uh, so one, uh, be more visible. Two, uh, work with Bernie. Now, Bernie's officially endorsed him, uh, and and he needs to. Uh, AOC said on Twitter today, Joe Biden hasn't reached out to me. I'm going to reach out to AOC. How do you get the youth and to Bernie? How do you get not just the youth, but the Bernie or bus people? There are pe- there's, there's a hashtag out there, as you know, Brad, right now, never vote for Joe, right? Never Joe, not Joe, anyone but Joe. And a lot of these people are the Bernie or bust folks who in 2016, 12% of them voted for Trump and so many more stayed at home. So, you know, he, he has got to get um, not just the youth, but he's got to get the Bernie people who even may not be youthful that are ju- just hell bent um, on uh, Bernie Sanders. And lastly, unite. And this is how you got to do it. I saw a very great tweet the other day, which said, just remember, in November of 2020, you are voting for the person who will replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. And if Joe Biden rings home that message that this is not about me, this is not about Bernie, if Joe Biden brings that home, you know, I think that would bring some people to the plate. Because remember, overwhelmingly, 80, 86, 90, 94 percent, so say the exit polls of voters in these primaries, the Democrats are saying what, Brad? The number one thing, the most important thing to them, not the economy, not even health care. The number one thing is making Donald Trump a one term president. We can't do that if we don't unite and we can't do that of a segment of our population. Our voting population stays home. Yeah, that uh, that is very true. I think turnout, you know, I mean, basically, Trump is in this situation where about 40 his voters are enthusiastic and basically about somewhere in the low 40s of American voters are going to vote for him and vote hell or high water. And so I agree with you. I think it's up to Joe Biden uh, to make sure that every living, breathing anti-Trump American out there, and there are a lot of them, get out to vote. So uh, I think that's a big deal. Let me ask you another question. I had political analyst Charlie Cook on the show last week, Mm -hmm. and Charlie said that he believes that the election in November is simply going to be a referendum on Trump's handling of the coronavirus crisis. Uh, do you think that's true or not? Yes. And, and you know, the, sadly, what we're seeing with these polls is that half of the nation doesn't like what he's doing and half does. Surprisingly, we've seen his numbers, his approval numbers increase, um, you know, during this, which, which is just amazing because you see him stand up to the podium and then you see Dr. Fauci kind of have to backpedal and uh, conf- uh, and correct what, what the president has said. But yes, I think it will be. That's one of the reasons the president is so hell-bent on getting us away from social distancing and back to work, because he wants the economy uh, to be good. Everybody wants the economy to be good, let's be honest. Um, but you know, I do think it'll be a referendum on, on COVID-19. Uh, and this, again, comes down to there are two very different schools of thought. I mean, we there are 30% of people that are showed in a poll that came out today that believe coronavirus was made in a lab. There are conspiracy theorists out there. There are people out there, and we've seen states doing this, Arkansas, for example, that don't think this is a big deal and won't won't have social distancing uh, initiatives or orders or mandates or laws in place in their state. 
Um, so uh, what yeah. what I what I think we're seeing is it you know honestly it does COVID nineteen or not the people that like Trump are going to think he handled this magnificently and the people that don't like him are going to hate the way he handled it, even if he did handle it magnificently. And I think that's really where we are. And I think that's what we've seen uh, with this president. He is he is a divider in chief and his but his fans do support him. He could shoot that person on Madison Avenue, uh, as he said. Absolutely. And they would support him. And the Democrats need to be that supportive, not shooting people, but they need to be (laughs) diehard uh, supporters of um, the uh, candidate that they have, even if it's not the candidate of their choice. They need to remember what we didn't do in 2016 and not repeat those mistakes. Okay, uh, let's close the segment with this, Leslie. Uh, Who do you think, uh, obviously, uh, Joe Biden has already said that he's going to have a female running mate. Uh, Who do you think, uh, which of the possibilities uh, do you think would help Joe Biden most in November? I'm not going to pick a name. I'm going to tell you who I think shouldn't be there. Okay. Joe Biden is not just tasked with picking a vice president and somebody who will bring people out that may not normally or would not necessarily vote for him. He's picking the next president, perhaps, of the United States. Joe Biden has implied he may uh, only be a one-term president. Um, And if he is two terms, we certainly hope that the vice president will uh, step into his shoes and that seat in the Oval Office. There are a lot of people talking about um, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and I say absolutely not. You can't have two white guys on that stage. And and in addition to not having two white guys and two guys on that stage, um, you know, he's he's that New Yorker. And I know a lot of people (laughs) think, well, Amy Klobuchar, because, you know, Rust Belt, flyover states, Midwest, again, two white people. I think Joe Biden has to pick a woman because he said he would and because women are definitely a force to be reckoned with as voters and he has to pick a minority. So I would say either an African-American female or a Latina female. And I know some people get mad when I say, oh, you can't just pick somebody because of their race and their gender. Well, I'm sorry, but this does all play into who are we gonna get out? If you don't have somebody of color, I mean, there are people out there that if you don't have Stacey Abrams, uh, you know, up there are, are going to stay home already in the African-American. Yeah, community. I, I uh, agree. But, but, but she does not have the experience and I'm not sure she's ready to be president after being vice president. So a uh, bottom line, I think uh, a female of color. Yeah, I think so. Leslie, thanks very much for joining us today on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I hope you can join us again soon. And again, thanks for giving me this great opportunity. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Absolutely. I love you, Brad. Thanks. Bye, guys. See you. Bye. With that in mind, I'd like to welcome to this conversation a leader who shares those values and has been an outspoken advocate for that vision for a long time. My friend, Senator Bernie Sanders. Bernie, welcome. Joe, thank you very much for your remarks, and thank you for welcoming me uh, to your live stream here. Um, as you've indicated, we are living in an unbelievably unprecedented moment. You and I were chatting a few months ago, not in a million years, when we have believed that we would be talking to each other in our respective homes, that we could not you know, do rallies that we could not uh, get out of the house. Uh, We would not have believed uh, that we'd be looking not only at a pandemic, which as you indicated, has taken over 20,000 lives in our country, half a million people infected, 
uh, but has cost us 16 million jobs. And that's probably a conservative number. The real number is probably higher than that. So we are in a terrible moment, an unprecedented moment. And I know we share the, the understanding that we've got to go forward right now and out of this in an unprecedented way uh, to address the terrible pain that so many of our fellow Americans are feeling. So today I am asking all Americans, I'm asking every Democrat, I'm asking every independent, I'm asking a lot of Republicans to come together in this campaign to support your candidacy, oh. which I endorse, to make certain that we defeat somebody who I believe, and I'm speaking just for myself now, uh, is the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country, a president, and you made this point, who downplayed this pandemic. Okay, that was Bernie Sanders about an hour and a half ago endorsing Joe Biden on the live stream video they did together. Bernie Sanders lost the battle for the Democratic nomination oh. for president but he won the war to make the Democratic Party a more progressive party. The best example of his impact on the party is his strong advocacy for health care reform. Every major Democratic presidential candidate either supported Medicare for all or like former Vice President Joe Biden favored a major expansion of the Affordable Care Act. Even Biden feels uh, the burn. The day after Sanders announced his suspension of the campaign, the presumptive Democratic nominee announced an expansion of Medicare for Americans between 60 and 65. Biden also acknowledged another part of the Sanders agenda with a proposal to forgive tuition debt for students of public colleges and universities. However, the biggest legacy of Bernie Sanders' two presidential campaigns will be his young supporters. He activated a generation of progressive millennials who will dominate and lead the Democratic Party over the next generation. They will replace the current Democratic leadership of baby boomers who earned their spurs in Bill Clinton's presidential campaigns. Many of those millennials are already running for office or will run in the future. Even more of them will manage and staff these campaigns. This new generation of Democratic leadership can learn a lot from the Sanders campaigns, but there are a lot of other things they can do differently. The success of the Young Bernie Brigade will be its willingness to meld innovative and traditional campaign techniques. Bernie blazed a trail in the use of social media that will be a staple of campaigns for decades to come. Sanders proved candidates could outraise and outspend their opponents with online contributions from individual supporters. Because they don't need to rely on special interest contributions to win, public interest candidates need not be at a disadvantage any longer when they run against corporate-backed candidates. This will make politics more progressive and more democratic. The need to adapt the innovative techniques developed by the two Sanders campaigns should not stop the new generation of progressive activists and candidates from trying some of the approaches from tried and true traditional campaigns. 
there are lessons that the new generation of Democratic leaders can learn from the old guard. The two Sanders campaigns were focused almost exclusively on issues, but it's necessary for a winning candidate to have a strong personal narrative to complement the policy content. A personal story goes a long way in a political campaign. Creating a winning message without a strong personal component is like trying to bake bread without adding yeast. The young people who supported the senator from Vermont were issue-oriented, but many of the older Democrats who voted in presidential primaries were personally oriented. It would have been easier for Sanders to win over voters of his own generation if he had shared more personal stories with them. These people vote for people, not for policies. Sanders' reluctance to talk about himself was unfortunate since he has a long history of personal activism fighting for causes that are vital to the salvation of American democracy. As eager as Sanders was to discuss his support for Medicare for all, he was reluctant to paint a personal portrait. Data from the primary uh, exit polls tell the story. A big majority of voters in every state favored Sanders' signature proposal, but his vote always fell far behind his solution to the health care crisis. In Texas, for example, which Joe Biden won, Democratic primary voters favored a government-run single-payer health care system by almost a two-to-one margin. But only 39% of those people who favored Medicare for All voted for the lead sponsor and strongest advocate of the legislation. Among the people who favored health care for all, Biden received a quarter of the support from those voters uh, that he and a policy he opposed. Policies that polarize go over easier when they come from a candidate that voters are very comfortable with personally. It may be Sanders' last hurrah as a presidential candidate, but his presence will be felt by the Democratic Party in an American politics for decades. William Jennings Bryan ran for president three times in 1896, 1900, and 1908. He never served as president, but his strong stand for economic populism profoundly changed the Democratic Party from a states' rights party to a movement for national government-led economic reform. Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal owes a great debt of gratitude towards Byron uh, uh, William Jennings Bryan's campaign platforms. Bernie Sanders leaves a legacy that is just as lasting. You can my, read my take on the presidential race in the Hill every Monday. Just Google muckrack.com front slash Brad dash Bannon. Now it's time for our provocative progressive political panel. Our guest panelist today is Tara Devlin. Tara is a New York City-based comedian writer and find founder of RepublicanDirtyTricks.com, also known as RDT Daily. She initially appeared on the show February 1st, uh, and when she was on back then, we had a blast talking <laughs> politics, so we're excited to see her back. Tara is unapologetic unapologetically liberal weekly broadcast Terra Busta is recorded every Saturday evening at six o'clock Eastern on RTD daily Facebook and in the YouTube channels and starting Sunday at six o'clock Eastern on progressive voices or anytime on the progressive voices app. 
You can follow Tara at Real Tara Devlin. That's R E A L T R T A R A D E V L I N, and Instagram at Tara D A C T. Let's try that again. Tara uh, D A C K T uh, Y L. Joining Tara on the panel is Mark Grimaldi. Mark has uh, been a progressive political activist for the last 12 years. He was involved in get out the vote operations in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and New York for the presidential campaigns of Barack Obama, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton, and now Joe Biden. Mark is also involved in campaign finance reform and philanthropic cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. Uh, welcome, panel. <laughs> Uh, Tara, let's start with you. Uh, what do you make? Uh, what was your reaction? We played the uh, clip of uh, Bernie Sanders endorsing uh, Jill Biden this morning. What do you make of Senator Sanders endorsement? Um, I we, well, we knew it was coming. Obviously, I, I'm a Bernie supporter, but I'm yeah, I will vote for Joe Biden, just like I voted for Hillary Clinton. But I live in New York City, so um, my vote. It's not it's not really um, needed in these in in New York. I believe Joe Biden will win New York as it's a Democratic town. I am a little bit more concerned about other people and uh, what they're going to do in the election. Other Bernie supporters, because it really isn't about Bernie Sanders. That's um, one of the things that I see as uh, I get attacked on Twitter or wherever by um, so people who call themselves real Democrats, they don't they seem to miss the point that it's really not about Bernie. It's about the policies. And I all, uh, I feel that Joe Biden is not really activating that base that he's going to need. Uh, uh, we we lived through Obama. Obama built a following. He built a movement. And I feel that Biden is going to – it really concerns me that he's – if he's going to be able to pull a rabbit out of a hat, he should be blowing Twitter away right now. And he is tied. In some polls, he's ahead. In some outlier polls, he's behind and this concerns me. And you, and if you look at the endorsement today on the Twitter feed for the endorsement, there's a lot of uh, Bernie supporters saying, no, thank you. Uh, and I, I will do what I can to encourage them to just hold their nose because you're, when, you're in a, when you're in a hole, stop digging. That's my philosophy, right? You yep. want to – I would much rather be pushing Joe Biden to the left than fighting – fascism, frankly, fighting Twitter and uh, really all of the damage. It matters what he does. It matters that he allows coal ash to be dumped into streams or animals to be slaughtered without re uh, with uh, he, that's what he did it, uh, recently. They they sped up the slaughter lines and took off all of the FDA inspectors, allowing the meat to be contaminated. I mean, this is these are the real world consequences on top of everything else that we see. Just the the offenses, the offenses to dignity, decency, democracy. But I really 
and it's Biden's um, I'm not Twitler is not going to be good enough, unfortunately. Uh, so, yeah, I will encourage my my listeners and supporters to do hold their nose. But I honestly there's a it's a problem, I feel so. OK, we're going to go to <laughs> we're going to go to break now. Uh, we'll be back with more of Deadline D.C. with Brad Bannon with our provocative progressive political panel. Today we have Tara Devlin. Life, liberty and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Deadline DC with Brad Bannon, and we're in the middle of our provocative progressive political panel. Today, joining us on the panel is a New York City based writer, comedian, and radio talk show host, Tara Devlin. And if you're watching on mm-hmm. Twitter, Periscope, her cat, uh, <laughs> and uh, our own uh, Mark Grimaldi, who's a progressive political activist. <laughs> Uh, Mark, you, like Tara, were a Bernie Sanders supporter. What do you think uh, Joe Biden can do uh, to win over Sanders voters? Well, I think, as Tara pointed out, the movement, and I would agree with this wholeheartedly, was always about policy. It was it was about, you know, what was the candidate going to do versus about what, you know, who is the candidate or what, you know, what do they like? Um, what are their what are they made up of? You know, like a lot of people mm-hmm. describe uh, Joe Biden as an empathetic figure who um they can relate to you know so they talk about these candidates in very different ways too which i think is another point to hit on uh, about the supporters and and what they value so i saw recently um two policy proposals that the biden campaign uh discussed Mm. that they're going to be advocating for one was i believe lowering the medicare age to 60 years old and um you know they've also talked a lot about uh for the second policy specifically was uh free public universities and um i think those are two things that are very important to not only sanders supporters but as you pointed out brad when you look at this polling all of (laughs) senator sanders proposals poll when you when you pull the specific policy individually poll extremely you know well amongst and it's not just amongst democrats but the, those high numbers come because they're popular amongst democrats uh, independents and a lot of republicans too so i think that is how you bring the supporters uh over is by action and that's what a lot of supporters mm-hmm. i think are going to tell you is that's what's important to them um i also think that it is very challenging because he uh vice president biden can't just go to these areas and meet with these people it has to be done virtually initially and then you know with social distancing which i think is going to be something that he and bernie i think if they can do that together whatever type of virtual town halls i mean you have to think about what is the scenario and what is the best you can do right now well i think what they did today would also be really powerful if they had some maybe joint um 
you know, town halls like Bernie had been doing so popularly and they talk about these policies, I think that would go a long way versus um, just having, you know, like, for instance, Vice President Biden launching his podcast. Like, yes, he could have Bernie on there as a guest, but I think if there was like maybe a specific town hall about, um, you know, health care or whatever issues are valued as important to Sanders supporters, I, I think that would, would be a good start. And then I think you just need to continue to engage um, those voters throughout the campaign. It can't just be like a one and done thing where you address the issue and then that's it for months or something like that. I think that would be helpful. And as a voter, that's something I, I think I would personally value uh, having been um, an, an initial supporter of Senator Sanders. Um, and also I'm going to be voting uh, full throated, uh, you know, for Joe Biden and, and for anyone who will listen as Tara talked about why mm-hmm. it's important uh, because mm-hmm. it's so much easier to push him to the left than try to wherever you can get to how far right uh, or even just off the scale <laughs> Donald Trump is and and get them to, yeah. to you know be sensible. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tara, let's go back to you. Uh, Joe Biden has uh, promised that he is going to have a female running mate. Uh, do you have a favorite in the mix? Well, let's see. I know. All right. All right. I don't want to go off. I know it's called uh, my show is called Tara Buster for a reason. So I could really go into it. But I I believe now Joe Biden, when he announced he's going to have a female running mate, that's wonderful. And Bernie was they asked him, what do you think? And he's like, well, it depends on there are many qualified females, but do they support our movement? That's the most important aspect. It's not just throwing a female up there. And it feels in a lot, a lot of ways like that, this uh, throwing wallpaper over uh, walls that aren't yet prepped or you know moldy or whatever. It's, you need somebody to, who supports progressive policies. I mean, Sarah Palin's a woman, Michelle Bachman's a woman, Kate, Ooh. you know, uh, it's uh, really, these are all women just because we have a ban on mentoring, mentoning their <laughs> names on my show. Really? Yeah, really. But that's what I mean. Um, I feel that in a lot of ways, let me get this cat is he's, he's often a co-host of the show, but he, he he's a Stacey Abrams supporter. He needs to get in there and get some names <laughs> dropped, you know? Right, right. right. But it's I, all right. Even with Stacey Abrams, I suppose that would be great, but she's, you know what, if he really wants to, reach out to Bernie supporters and and shore up his base, he should pick Nina Turner, frankly, not Stacey Abrams. She's somebody who is for Medicare for all, full-throatedly for the, the policies, the FDR Democratic New Deal policies that we need to fix all of the reasons why we have a Twitler in the first place. He didn't get there overnight. He's there because the United States, the, the wants and needs of working people have a statistics, statistically insignificant effect on government policy. That's that happened in 40 years. In 40 years, we went from the most to the least upwardly mobile of all our Western partners, even the ones with kings and queens. It's, this is why we have a Twitler. It's not. And the Democratic Party throwing subsidies at everything is uh, really part of the problem, I think. They they shore up the system while not doing anything to fundamentally change it. 
Okay. Tara, uh, thank you very much for joining us today on Deadline DZ with Brad Bannon. Thank you. Uh, It's always a pleasure to have you on. I hope you can join us again. I also want to thank um, progressive political activist Mark Romaldi. I'm here every Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. If the Lord is willing and the creek don't rise (laughs) any higher than it already is, and it's pretty damn high already. This is Brad Bannon. Stay strong, stay healthy, and stay home. Over and out. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi.